Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. didn't exactly mean to play this this morning, but it was still in that sequence. So, there it is. But I'm in that mood, just for the record. Um, so, everybody knows that I like sports, if you listen to the program at all. And I do. Crazy stuff over the weekend. Um you didn't watch the UCLA versus Gonzaga basketball game, wow, you missed out on high drama. The um, First of all, I've rooted for UCLA since I was a little kid. Yeah, John Wooden, and and I don't know if that makes me a front runner, but <laughs> UCLA was good, and uh, so I used to root for them. I still do. Um, if there's a college basketball team that I root for, it's UCLA, uh, and it goes back to when I was a kid, but anyway, um, so they were playing against the number one team in the nation, Gonzaga University, and uh, the winner would go play in the NCAA uh, tournament finals, men's finals, which is tonight, the women's uh, Stanford won last night, um, and so uh, I... Uh, I turned it on, and it's just an incredible game. It's you know a lot of times, you know, you see championship games, you know, you know, build as something, and and they don't live up to them because both teams don't play well. And uh, this was not that. <laughs> both teams were unbelievable. They're fantastic, and so. Um, so UCLA ties it ties the game. It looks like it's going into overtime with 3.3 seconds left. And uh, Gonzaga inbounds the ball to one of their guards, probably their best player. And he heads down the court, pulls up, and at the buzzer shoots a long shot, drills it. Crazy. Crazy, but it was just like a... Uh, I talked about I'd watched the University of North Dakota play the University of Minnesota Duluth in the longest game in NCAA hockey history uh, a couple weeks ago, um, a week ago or so, I think. And uh, it was like two heavyweights. And the game wasn't decided because somebody wasn't good. It was decided because somebody makes a great play, which is how you want championships to be. But but that was, uh, that was one piece of it. And then last night... Um, there's a guy who's come over from Japan named Shohai Otani, and um, Japanese player, and he's a, he's a giant guy, right? Um, last year he had uh, arm problems, and uh, in a COVID-shortened season was not able to play, had Tommy John surgery, which is a surgery that baseball players have 
to repair their arm where they actually transplant a ligament from another part of your body into your arm. And it's now so commonplace that it's not unheard of for guys to come back throwing harder than they threw before they were injured. Yeah, it's crazy. So he has that surgery, and last night he was a starting pitcher for the Angels. Threw the hardest pitch that's been thrown in the major leagues so far year to date at 101 miles an hour. And then in the same inning, he's a bit of a hitter, in case you don't know, he has a home run 451 feet. Now, I'm not sure if that's the longest home run, you know, in the very, very embryonic Major League Baseball season, but I think it is. <laughs> he did, and he does it in the same inning. Crazy. Crazy. So, uh, so the, uh, so yeah, sports. Nova came for the spirit, right? Nova came for the spirit. Uh, because, uh, it's uh, what's going on uh, around the world, what's going on in the country is I, is, I can only describe it as unsettling. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a few minutes. But uh, the China is confronting the Biden administration very early in its tenure. And they are massing ships to fortify another atoll in a poke. In uh, it's in Phil- Filipino, in the Filipino Economic Exclusion Zone, China will lay claim rights to it, and they'll just squat on it, and see if anybody will do anything about it. And so um, the Philippines is making noise, but make no mistake, it is a poke into Joe Biden's chest that goes right through the Philippines, right? So we'll talk about that. So and again, that is simply the latest in this drama that plays out on an international stage where China seeks to be the dominant global power. And so, um, and again, what is at stake? What's at stake is the rules-based order of of the post-World War II era that has seen the world live in peace for a long time. I mean, regional issues certainly but saw two great power competition between the United States and the Soviet Union take place without a major confrontation. And um, so much of the world free and, um, you know, still too much not, but um, all that will be changed dramatically if the Western nations of the world that are participating in this daily drama don't get their shit together and don't confront the Chinese and say, no, 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 we are all telling you this and we're going to stop playing these stupid games that you want to play. But greed is the fly in the ointment, okay? Greed, and again, the irony, I'm sure sure in the Chinese uh, planning sessions is that, you know, that what's beautiful about this is that it will ultimately be the greed of the West that undoes their whole system and delivers it to us to include them financing us, to include their research and development that we steal on a regular basis from the American DOD. Yeah, that will pave the way for us militarily. Wall Street will finance the whole thing. It's how 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 much more beautiful can you be when they facilitate their destruction as the dominant global powers on the planet. So that is a uh, part of it. but but again the latest development and and we'll get to it here in a few minutes. Um here at home I just want to prepare everybody. I mean the George Floyd trial however it turns out, is not going to be good enough. And you're going to see riots. So I, I would just encourage you to prepare yourself for all of that. For all of that. The, um, and it will be covered by a media that has an agenda. And when you look at reporting now, you should see them as activists, not reporters. And if you're...
If you're not subscribed to Glenn Greenwald, do that. He he writes great stuff. And it's true. And it's true. So, again, in this world of, of, of the Democratic Party's alliance with big tech and big social media, where you often look around and say, am I living in bizarre world now? That even though 170,000 people <laughs> have flocked to our border, our southern border, that's not a crisis. How do we know that? Because the president says it's not a crisis. You know, it doesn't matter if that's more people than have come to the, our border in 15 years. It's just not a crisis. It doesn't matter the pictures you see on TV. It's not a crisis. It doesn't matter, you know, the stories of human trafficking that don't seem to resonate in Washington, D.C., Right. So um, I just want to prepare yourself, you know, because it's coming again. What happened last summer is going to happen again. So we'll talk about some current events today um, and kind of catch up on some news that I haven't done too much of lately. The um, the other thing, uh, kind of exciting news for post-traumatic winning is uh, the first installment of uh, the uh, the the a a seminar for people that have already been through the program starts tonight, and uh, so they said, "Hey, we don't want this to stop. You know, we've gotten so much out of it that um, can we continue doing it?" So it's a weekly session, and uh, it will. Uh, it starts today at 5.30, goes for about an hour, and then, you know, it'll finish. And then anybody who wants to hang out and shoot the shit, you know, we'll keep, you know, I keep the room, I'll keep the room open and uh, and just kind of kick it around for anybody who wants to have, you know, an unscripted general discussion. But my first guest is, is you know, no other first guest is possible other than General Furness. Um, without him, post-traumatic winning would have never seen the light of day. Um, and it was given its first opportunity to, uh, when he was the CG of the 2nd Marine Division. So he and his wife, Linda, are going to be the... Uh, uh, because Linda very much part of it, too. Um, you know, Dave and Linda have a daughter with special needs. And uh, and it's... Uh, you know, he when he, he, he started introducing it, in fact, if you know anything about post-traumatic winning, and most people that listen to this do, um, one of the commandments, I think the fifth commandment is stop faking your mental health. And the stop faking it thing starts with him. So we're doing the presentation. That's not a commandment. And um, I don't know, the second or the third day, he stands up to introduce it. And we're doing it in the morning and the afternoon. So he stands up to introduce it. And he goes off his normal script that I'd heard him do maybe two or three times. And so all of a sudden he's talking about himself. And he says, let me tell you, I want to talk about what it's like to lose 100 Marines in combat. And he talks about it. You know, and he talks about how difficult it was. And then he called every family and he was scared when he did it. And then he said, but that's not, that's not the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me. And then he begins to talk about the day that he learned, you know, that his daughter was um, mentally retarded. And uh, which, so a form of developmentally disabled and, you know, that it was genetic and there was little they would be able to do about it. And he t- tells that story and his voice is cracking. And I remember sitting there thinking he's never talked about this stuff in public in his life. I mean... He talks about it with very few of his friends. And so watching that um, and the impact it had on all the Marines and sailors that were there was amazing. And that's where Stop Faking It comes from. And what you see is the power of the presentation, which I do, and the impact it has on them. And I only allow people to introduce it like General Furness did. 
And that is, you've got to talk about your shit. I don't need anybody to stand up and say, Mac is a great guy. I need you to be the first table flipping moment. And it all comes from him. So, uh, so he would naturally be, you know, the, the best person to have on this first installment that we'll do tonight in the graduate seminar. And, um, and so, uh, I'm excited about that. Never have, haven't done it before. And, uh, and so all of that. So uh, looking forward to, to tonight. I, and again, anytime I have the opportunity to uh, to to, to po- do post traumatic winning, always a uh, always a cool day in my life. So anyway, um, so good morning to you on this Monday morning. We'll check news headlines, and then that's about as much as we're going to do today. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. For those of you that celebrate Easter, if not, hope you had a, just a great weekend. In general, the weather getting better around the country, the COVID numbers getting better around the country. And again, things to watch, um, things to watch when, you know, this COVID thing, as it continues to evolve, is, you know, hospital hospitalizations, not cases. Because as we reignite the economy, the case thing ought to go up. But as long as the case thing is confined, right, to young people who do very well with it, then I think we're learning the lessons that we should have learned and blah, 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 blah. So I think that that's, you know, we've all watched these statistics, but, you know, cases alone is are an indication of activity. People are moving around, you know, not everybody's been vaccinated, so the case number will go up. So really what you want to keep your eye on is the cases are confined largely to people that are unvaccinated, which are the people that, you know, have a 99.5% rate of survival. And so, um, so anyway, so it goes. Now, on that note, good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. dedicated uh, to everybody out there that watches the news on a daily basis and struggles with it. Um, And I'm going to read something here a little bit that Glenn Greenwald wrote about the American media. And he, um, and you, you watch this thing unfolding in the nation and you scratch your head on a daily basis and you wonder how the hell does this thing all turn out okay because again the narrative is that the united states of america is just fundamentally racist country for anybody who's traveled around the world that is laughable if you want to see racism travel around the world a little bit you'll see it so the most diverse, most economically prosperous, the place where there's the most opportunity is fundamentally raised. But that's the narrative. That's the narrative. And so 
we're all watching this, wondering when are the adults going to stand up? When are the adults going to solve a problem that news headline this morning, right? Police in Portland are quitting, right? We've had enough. Why have they had enough? Well, you have, you know, you have political leaders in the city of Portland that won't put an end to the, the shit that goes on in that town. Yeah. For whatever reason, for the, because they're woke or whatever, whatever the hell excuse is of the day. Okay, and that you can watch, you know, an assault on the Capitol, that's an insurrection. But what goes on, you know, in autonomous zones, creating your own little country, that's not an insurrection. Hmm, interesting, huh? You can attack federal buildings in Portland. That's not an insurrection. You can do that repeatedly on a nightly basis almost. But do it in Washington, D.C., and it's an insurrection. And the whole nation rolls on you. So, it's so I mean, people watch all this, head-scratching, and say, how does this turn out? Where have the adults gone? So, for all of you, I just want to warn you that it's going to get worse. No matter what the outcome is of the George Floyd trial, it will not be enough. Okay, it will not be enough. And as we have pretended there's no crisis on the southern border. I mean, do you see the the video of some dude dropping a child, a three year old child, you know, from like a 12 foot fence, drops him the last six feet. And there are these two little kids. That goes on on our border all the time. It's big business. I saw something the other day that shows this. Um that shows this bracelet system they have, right? Just like you were, you know, buying it to go on rides at Disneyland. It's It shows what houses they've been in, who, uh, who moved them, with tremendous efficiency, trafficking in human beings, right? Supplying sex trade workers. Disgusting. But that's not a crisis. And believe you me, Right, we watch the same thing unfold under the Trump administration, and oh, make no mistake about it, it was a it was a crisis, and those were concentration camps down there. So, when did the adults show up, and you know what happens? What happens to the country? You know, I, and I, I think most of us aren't confident that we know. And then we, those of us who have been involved in the American military. We, we're, we're watching an institution in decline, painfully watching that. And so this is dedicated to all you out there who have some or all of those feelings. And uh, find smart people that write smart stuff, subscribe to them, and turn the rest of the shit off. Because that's exactly what it is. It's shit. So it's dedicated to you. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night 
for this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that, thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, time to check the weather. Warming up on the East Coast. Sunny and 64 already in Quantico. Down the coast of Camp Lejeune. It is sunny and 70. Marine Corps Base 29 Palms. Whoa. Sunny in 71 already. Hello. Camp Pendleton, partly sunny, 56. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 68. In Okinawa, dark cloudy, 66. Darwin, clear, dark at 79. So Darwin seems to every night have around 80. And in Oslo, Norway, it is... Partly sunny and 48 degrees. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, it is mostly cloudy. 58 degrees. Small craft advisor off the coast, which is pretty standard. Looking for a high today of 66. Tomorrow, 68. Sunday, 70. I'm sorry, Wednesday, 70. Thursday, 69. Friday, 70. So it should be a beautiful week here in the Southern California area. Went to the beach yesterday. Yeah, a little bit about my weekend. Um, I uh, I did some public address announcing at a football game on uh, on Saturday. F eighteen man called me and he said, "Hey man, uh, would you uh, would you do the public address announcing at my son's football game?" Brock. I said, hell yeah, man. And I said, let me check. I said, well, I'm uh I'm uh I'm good. So um so I did and uh it was fun. And so I went down and hung out with uh, Rudy, um F eighteen man as you know him, and uh and uh went to his son's football game. Uh San Marcos played El Camino. Uh, San Marcos from, oh, if you're familiar with Southern California geography, over by uh, Escondido Vista area, right? And then uh, El Camino, a uh, big high school in Oceanside. So El Camino won, I think, 18 to 13, something like that. Uh, but it's fun. Uh, high school sports are always cool. Always cool. And the most important thing is pronounce their kids' names right, man. Pronounce their names right. <laughs> if you do that, parents are happy. Um, but did that and then went to the beach yesterday up uh, up a little bit north of Santa Monica Pier. And it's just an absolutely gorgeous day in Los Angeles yesterday. So so pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. The um, email, Mac, tell me about the online seminar. Which one is this? Well, just so everybody knows, there's two. If you would like to be part of the second online seminar, um, then shoot me an email and I will point you in that direction. Um, and I'm telling you, you will you will absolutely enjoy it. It starts on April 14th, and uh, so a week from Wednesday, and 90 minutes starts at 5:30 Pacific time. And so that would be 8.30 on the East Coast. And uh, and like I said, it goes for 90 minutes. And we do that for about eight weeks. And we go through about an hour of the presentation each week. And then we have two weeks at the end to kind of bring 
uh, a whole bunch of stuff together. And then hopefully what happens is, is the second group dumps into the graduate seminar because most of the time they do not want the discussion to stop about something that they've uh, longed uh, to to talk about and found somehow or other um, this becomes a place where um, this becomes a place where they learn, they're comfortable talking about it, they meet other people that have gone through similar things and whatnot. So again, so shoot me an email. And uh, so there's two seminars. One is a graduate thing that goes tonight. And the uh, second one is a um, uh, is the second seminar group that starts a week from Wednesday. And if you if you haven't been through the seminar, then that's the one that I would tell you to hop into. So anyway, so a little bit of a public service announcement there. The um, all right, let's take a look at the news. I haven't done this in a while, so I figured I should catch up on it a little bit. The um, top story in Stars and Stripes today. It's a story about Gold Star Moms skydiving. And uh, two of them. And uh, they were... uh, they were treated to this event. Their sons were special operations guys, so they parachuted, and they knew their sons, you know, loved it, and so they got to participate in that, right? And the headline says, I feel like I'm with him. And so, cool story. The um, story about Navy grooming standards as the DOD seeks to... Um, seeks to modify grooming standards. Navy grooming standards, terms like faddish and outrageous are out because they're considered vague. A series of changes coming to hair standards, especially that are aimed at enhancing clarity, interpretation, and application for uniform policies. Got it. The message came out after a Navy review of its hair and grooming standards in the summer and fall of 2020. The service assembled focus groups of sailors, male and female, officer enlisted, and asked them whether the existing standards are racially based, the message states. The Navy found no bias. What? How could that be? But sailors cited many instances of inconsistent application of policy enforcement because of vague terms of grooming standards. So that would be the interpretation of the order. Okay, so Navy has seemingly clarified some of that. You know, and this is what I hate about Stars and Stripes. Here's an article. Navy officer under scrutiny for letter disparaging enlisted sailors as deviants and perverts. That would make this like what? The National Enquirer of the DOD. USS Eisenhower went through the Suez Canal. Yeah, that's always good to know, right? They were able to go through the Suez Canal. The Japanese are cl- announcing that their uh, F-35 squadron could help defend the Senkaku Islands that are claimed by China. In a story that's troubling, but it's not the first one of its kind that I've seen in my life, um, Marines from 1st Recon Battalion have been uh, incarcerated at the brig at Camp Pendleton a 28-year-old reconnaissance Marine being held in the brig after he was charged with six counts of larceny of military property-related offenses involving missing ammunition from the base. Now, again, the most troubling part of this is this is not like, you know, young Marines doing this. This guy's a sergeant, 1st Recon Battalion. 
had his Article 31 hearing on March 19th. A second and unidentified reconnaissance Marine is awaiting a similar Article 32 hearing, which is, right, your arraignment. Um, and this investigation is separate from a story that was all over the place last month of 10 pounds of C4 that went missing. In 29 Palms. Yeah, so just in case you're confused, that this ain't that story. That's a different story. That's a different story. Um, here, let me get to an email. Did you just say an organization in decline applying that to the DOD, question mark? I did. I did. That's what I would tell you. That's that's my assessment. And I would say it, it all centers around, it all centers around a general lack of discipline. And it starts at the very top among general officers. The inability to speak the truth. Our general officers in the American military have become politicians. And they become bobbleheads. And so, what happens after that? All of them protecting their own careers. You see a very few number um, that will stand up and tell the truth. And so, it starts from there. And it goes. And then it, it culminates in seeing events like we saw in the Navy in their ship collisions. You know, the Marine Corps, if you, if you look at several investigations, what you see is not undisciplined behavior of individuals. What you see is undisciplined behavior by commands. And it's a trend. So, yeah, an organization in decline. Now it's hunting extremists within its own ranks. And I'm sure they'll find some, which will certainly validate the search. But as, as what happened in Marines United, the numbers in 1.4 million people, you know, what would you find? But it won't matter because they will own the narrative, right? They will own the narrative. Um, the USNI News. The fleet tracker for today, April 5th, 2021. Uh, the USS Iwo Jima. And its uh, ARG is off the coast of Spain. The Eisenhower is in the Suez Canal. The Macon Island is in the... What is that? Gulf of Thailand? Yeah, heading for the Moluccan Straits, it looks like. Theodore Roosevelt. Looks like it's uh, in the South China Sea, the USS America in Sasebo, the Ronald Reagan in Yokosuka. Gidget Fuentes writes a piece entitled, The Marine Corps Begins to Address Factors Shortfalls Identified in the AAV Mishap. So this week, when we begin to talk, when we continue our conversation about it, we'll go through findings of fact. And probably next week, we'll talk about the implications of not just this investigation, but several for the Marine Corps. And the message it sends when no general officers ever get shit canned for any of this. I'll go through a little bit of what Gidget Fuentes writes, right? Uh, And Gidget Fuentes, for those of you, you know, that have been around the Marine Corps for a long time, she's written about the Marine Corps for a long time. So she's no stranger to it. The long list of contributing factors included an absence of Marine Corps or Navy safety boats during the training event and the platoon receiving deadline vehicles. 
AVs that were set aside and in poor material condition. Now, let me tell you about this. I, I had a conversation with somebody over the weekend. There's a game that gets played that because mu units have such a high priority, contributing units that contribute equipment often contribute less than stellar equipment to that because they know it's all going to get fixed really quick. So there's a little game that gets played. I thought, hmm, well, that's interesting. So uh, Marines lacked training, did not follow standard procedures, had inefficient flotation vests, and were operating in high seas, factors that raised serious questions about accountability at various units and senior commands, the investigation found. The investigators were troubled by assumptions made by Marine Corps and Navy personnel about who was providing safety boats for the AV waterborne mission and poor communications between the AV unit and the ships when the vehicle when the vehicles off the USS Somerset, according to the investigation. Quote, we have to be good at this. This is our core competency, amphibious operations, said a former MU commander who was briefed on the investigation and made available to Gidget Fuentes, right? So that's this is the Marine Corps, right, and their spin. This is the way we're going forward to fight as part of a joint force with our Navy counterparts in the littorals coming from the sea. We have to get good at this, and we will. We often say that we do what we do is dangerous. And it becomes more dangerous when you don't follow directed procedures or standard operating procedures and approved tactics, techniques, and procedures that are designed and trained to make you more effective. Throughout the chain, there are things that went wrong, and that's why so many people are being held accountable. So then she talks about things that uh, happened since then. So it's a fairly lengthy article. Um, I'll read you the last little bit of her article. One issue arose over Bravo Company, and that is the company that was in the tracks, and the AV platoon's decision to splash and return to the Somerset. The disabled AV left on San Clemente delayed the mission by more than four hours, but the ship had other missions on schedule, including flight and refuel operations that conflicted with well deck operations. There was no aft lookout stationed on the back where he or she might have seen the Amtraks in the water swimming back to the ship, a former Mew commander noted. It's unclear who on the ship approved the Amtrak's return. There also was confusion about the mishap's a, mishap AV status that was taken on water because of other broken because the other broken AV was getting towed back to the island. The Marine Corps isn't doing open water operations without actual safety boats in place, the official said. What we're going to do is bring the topic up at the Naval Board and then jointly look at our directives. The Marine Corps will review with the Navy its wet well operations and manual and other directives on ship-to-shore, ship-to-ship movements, and look for any incongruencies to make that language more directed. There's no timeline to be set, he said, but it will be sooner rather than later. The Marine Corps years ago, this is her final paragraph, divested of its boat lockers that had made that had made available small boats to division units. We're going to probably rectify that with a program of record where we would purchase boats and capability in the future so we could have that more resonant in not only reconnaissance battalions, but probably the AAV battalion as well. So they would source the safety boat internally. So again, um, the findings of the investigation, uh, if if I told you they were troubling, that would be 
an insult to everything that is troubling on the planet because they're they're beyond troubling. And again, what they show, um, what they show is an organization in decline. And if you link the, if you look at these investigations that have happened, and what you see is a lack of discipline organizationally, not individually, organizationally, which is deeply, deeply, deeply troubling. Uh, top stories in uh, Marine Corps News, Marine Corps Times. And you know, this is only a matter of time. Headline. Heartbroken families of fallen Marines and and a sailor react to the failures exposed in the tragic AV sinking. Written by Phil Athley. Now, I have to tell you this. Um, I cannot imagine Okay, I cannot imagine losing my son or my daughter to the utter incompetence of others. I don't know how. I don't know how a parent would live with that. So his article go. Uh, I don't know how many paragraphs in. On that fateful summer evening, Lance Corporal Chase Sweetwood, eighteen, was trapped inside, praying with PFC Brian Baltiera also 18, a fellow platoon mate from boot camp, a Marine who survived the AV accident, later told Baltiera's mother, Evelyn, quote, Evan and Brian were praying together because that's all they had in the darkness. They were praying together because they knew they wouldn't make it. Here's a quote from one of the parents. They were murdered. There is no other way to put it. Paul Warner, Lance Corporal Chase Sweetwood's stepfather, who raised the Marines since he was a little boy, told Marine Corps Times. They were failed from the minute they were chopped into service to the minute it sank. Lance Corporal Chase Sweetwood enlisted in the Marine Corps at the age of 17, eager to serve his country, continued to find adventure in his life. Quote, he always wanted to so badly be a Marine. From the time he was real little, said Christiana Sweet, Chase Sweetwood's mother. Christiana, Christiana Sweet says she bears some personal guilt for allowing her son to enlist at 18, but that she never thought that the Marine Corps would fail her son so disastrously. Quote, you look clear from the beginning, and it was bad from every single person down. They failed, they failed, they failed, they failed, they failed going down the line, Christina, Christiana Sweetwood said, comparing the buildup of mistakes to premeditated murder. Quote, you clear from the beginning had a red flag, red flag, red flag, then they died. Carlos Baltierra, right, the, the father of PFC Brian Baltierra, said this it actually starts with a chain of command. I'm looking at the U.S. military, the Marines, the Navy, and also the manufacturers of the AVs. The AV was really basically exposed, everything inadequate. It's brutal, man. The Corbin's name is Christopher Nem, G-N-E-M. Nem was the beloved son who spent 
high school inspiring kids on his basketball team and protecting an autistic boy on the football team from bullying, his mother Nancy Vienna told Marine Corps Times. The day he went, I died with him, Nancy Vienna said. I haven't been sleeping or eating because of this. And they come and just say sorry. Nem's stepfather, Peter Vienna, also pointed to what he says is a failed culture of of the Marine Corps that puts mission before people, even if it's just a training mission. Quote, if I hear one more time, we have to train how we fight, I'm going to throw up, Peter Vienna said. The Marines and sailors were killed because the Marine Corps ranked the importance of that training mission higher than the safety of their sons, Peter Vienna said. They murdered my son, Nancy Vienna told Marine Corps Times. They put him on a railroad track, tied him up, and said, Hey, the train's coming. Just stand here, die. Wait, you're getting murdered today. It's your date of death. I just need to finish this mission. Quote, They're lucky only one AAV sank, Peter Vienna said. Those boats were not seaworthy. They were junk, and they shouldn't even have been put in the water. Lance Corporal Marco Barranco, 21, was Lupita Garcia's youngest child and only son. Though mischievous as a young boy, he grew up to have a huge heart. Lupita Garcia likened the AV to an old broken-down car. It's like saying, drive my 40-year-old car, not knowing the transmission is working correctly. Here, drive it 60 miles an hour. How could I do that? Quote, how long have you been a Marine that you can't make better decisions? Obviously, I'm so angry at so many failures, so many human failures, I feel sick. Quote, our son, they told us, they couldn't even find that he ever got swim qualified, Peter Vienna said. For Alita Bath, the mother of 19-year-old Evan Bath, the what she called sheer incompetence by the Marine Corps has shocked her. Quote, at the end of the day, through a lack of following standard operating procedures, Lack of training, extremely bad decision-making, and lack of accountability, I have lost my whole world. I'm extremely angry, so angry, I don't really know how to react right now. I'm also in shock at the sheer number of factors that contributed to the accident. Evan Bath was, quote, brilliant, wonderful, and a funny boy who grew up a bit shy but blossomed into an extrovert when he became a Marine, Alita Bath said, quote, From what I'm hearing, it was raining, bad conditions, and they were stuck in a foxhole training. And he was the one cracking jokes. For two of the families, the Marine Corps mistakes did not stop with the sinking of the AAV. The Marine Corps repeatedly misfiled or delayed the process of paperwork, Christina Sweetwood and Alita Bath told Marine Corps Times. Though her casualty assistance officer has been wonderful, dealing with the bureaucracy of the Marine Corps has been hard for Alita Bath. Quote, they made so many mistakes on my son's paperwork, they had to amend the death certificate. This is your biggest accident in the history of the Marine Corps, and you can't even get the date right? When the Marine Corps Times asked for comment on this, the official spokesman referred Marine Corps Times back to the investigation. We haven't been kept abreast of what's going on, Alita Bath said. Many of the families said they have been left in the dark by the Marine Corps for several months as they did their own research into what happened. 
quote, they kind of just disappeared for us. We had our Caicos, and you all know that casualty assistance officers that assist families of uh, Marines and sailors that are killed. But we weren't receiving 30-day updates since November or December, Christina Sweetwood said. So for seven, eight months, we had to do our own research. They left us with nothing. The Marine Corps has not responded to the Marine Corps Times questions about these allegations. As the shock of the investigation news wanes, the families are contemplating their next step. They are hemmed in from filing a lawsuit against the Marine Corps for the wrongful deaths of their sons by the Ferris Doctrine, which courts repeatedly have used to block lawsuits against the government for wrongful death or medical practice, malpractice. Quote, I think that is part of the systemic problem in the military that overreaching power, the overreaching power of the Ferris Doctrine that keeps them from being held accountable, Peter Vienna said. It's very unfortunate, but sometimes money speaks louder than lies. Some want more answers. There's a number of questions that are still outstanding, said Carlos Baltierra. The families are still waiting a second investigation for the Navy Safety Center, one that officials said will not be released publicly. Hmm, why not? For most of the families, the plan is for now to work with Congress to revoke the Ferris Doctrine and to hold all people accountable whose decisions led to the sinking of the AV accountable for their mistakes. Members of the House Armed Service Committee will be meeting with the Marine Corps the last week of March, first week of April. We'll see if anything comes of that. The Marine Corps slogan, this is a quote, the Marine Corps slogan is, we take the, the best of the best, the few, the proud, the Marines. Christiana Sweetwood said, quote, but if they were the best, why are they not giving them the best? She asked, referencing the equipment they were given. We failed them. We failed them as a country. We failed all of them. The damage to the bodies led most of the families to offer closed casket funerals and foregoing any final physical goodbye, a decision Nancy Nancy Vienna regrets to this day. I'm a Buddhist. That's our last goodbye, sending him off with spirits and good thoughts. They didn't even give me that chance. I don't have closure. So if you want to read that whole article, uh, as I kind of skip through and just share the quotes with you, uh, you can find it at Marine Corps Times, written by Phil Athey, A-T-H-E-Y. It's published on March 29th, last week. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Top five stories of Marine Corps Times. And then that'll do it for today. It's kind of a current events day. Man, I'll tell you what. Top story. And this is kind of odd, but top story. More scrutiny expected for Marine Corps after fatal preventable disaster at sea. This is a Washington Post story. Okay, written by Dan Lamoth, published on Friday. Marine Corps officials and staff members in the House discussed the matter this week, last week, with Representative John Garamondi of California, the chairman of the House Armed Service Committee Subcommittee on Readiness. What they shared coupled with the details of the investigation investigation made clear to him that the service has a systemic cultural safety problem. He's wrong about that. The system, the, the service has a systemic cultural discipline problem that bleeds across all lines. Congressman Garamondi, Garamendi. And if you look at several investigations, you will see this. Quote, 
It it cuts across the entire core. It is outrageous. It's deadly. It has to change, Garamendi said in an interview. Quote, I will invite the Commandant to testify over the culture of safety, or rather the lack of safety culture in the Marine Corps, and demand answers to how the Marine Corps plans to deal with this. What's interesting, Lamoth goes into in the article what general officers uh, did. All right. A senior officer involved in the case, Major General Robert Caselvi, he was a CG of the 1st Marine Division, also bears some responsibility in the disaster for not ensuring the Marines received all necessary training, Rudder found. The AV platoon had not received required screening, known as Marine Corps Combat readiness evaluation, but Caselvi was not disciplined because Marines involved had been transferred to serve under Bronzy. Bronzy was a senior Marine officer at hand. Caselvi has since become the Marine Corps Inspector General. Wood said that he was chosen because he was the best qualified officer for the job. The investigation also raised the possibility that the coronavirus pandemic complicated completing all required training, but officers overseeing the unit were still expected to do so. Christiana Sweetwood of Danville, Virginia, who you heard, whose quote you heard in that previous article, whose son was just short of turning 19 when he died, said in an interview that she was concerned that some of the lower-ranking Marines who had been disciplined may have been thrown under the bus while more senior officers who gave them direction have avoided accountability. Quote, Why are these men allowed to be in control of people's lives, period, anymore? No more. What's... That's the part... That's the angry part of me speaking, she said. Are these generals getting off and these lower guys taking the blame? It's like they have no accountability. None of these people do. How is that possible? You know what? That's a good question. How is it that once again, no general officer is relieved for this? How is that? Somebody explain it to me. And, you know, and I, I would ask you this question. You know, if Colonel Bronzy gets a one-question court-martial, uh, court were you in charge? Okay, you're done. Why, did, why does that same standard not apply to everybody who contributed to that disaster? Marine Corps. Hey, you're in charge. This happened. You're done. Boom. Um. Number two story in, or in the earlier birth today, Fort Sill instructors suspended after training alleged sexual assault. Army Criminal Investigation Division special agents are investigating allegations that multiple Fort Sill training instructors sexually assaulted a woman trainee at the Oklahoma Post. So that's the number two story today, a rape story. Number three, Army advisors make first mission to the Maldives, a strategic area in the Indian Ocean. These are the kind of stories that are big stories. Okay, First visit to so-and-so, which allows the United States and our allies to expand you know, military ties, mostly paid by economic treaties, economic and diplomatic exchanges, which evolve into military exchanges. So... That's a good thing. Number four, rockets hit near Iraq base, housing U.S. trainers. No one was hurt. Uh, Two rockets landed near an Iraqi air base north of Baghdad. American trainers were there and present, but no casualties were reported. The base is known as Balad, for those of you that are familiar with it. Number five, VA expected Iraq, Afghanistan veterans, 
Afghan wars would lead to toxic exposure, the agency reveals. <laughs> like, that's a firm grasp of the obvious, right? In terms of, it happens in every war. So, hello? Some of the things we watch for, it tends to... Um, It tends to um, evolve in every war as, you know, maybe we're dealing with something in a way that we didn't know we shouldn't burn it or something like that. And that combined with something else to create some form of gas in a cloud of of smoke that damaged people. So um, anyway, that'll do it here on a Monday. Just checking news this morning and uh, the news uh, not so good. As uh, it seems to be like that most days now. So, hope you had a good Easter. I just want to warn you that you should (laughs) tighten up your news feeds. Turn off the ones that produce garbage. Find articulate writers that report the truth, which are few and far between, I might add. And uh, and get ready for heavy seas because our country will go through it again. As I said, uh, nothing that comes out of the George Floyd trial will satisfy people, some people. And so... You know, I I fully expect that you will see looting and scenes from last summer reenacted this summer. So, anyway, I I hate to be a pessimist, but I would say I'm not even cautiously pessimistic about it. I'm straight-up pessimistic about it. So, anyway, on that note, (laughs) tighten up your news feeds. Uh, Pray that we have, you know... Adults that come to the forefront and help guide communities through this and do the right thing. But again, they seem few and far between. It seems more like a a union of opportunists. And people that are interested in grabbing power. I didn't even get to the Glenn Grunwald article. Maybe I'll get to that tomorrow. So have a great day. I'm Mike McMurray. This is All Marine Radio. Thanks for listening. Keep your head down. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. And if you're interested in, in being a part of the um, second online seminar, uh, shoot me an email. Mac.AllMarineRadio at gmail.com. Come straight to me, and I will do uh, what I can. So, have a great day. I'm out.